Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers, welcome back to The Witcher Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with my good buddy, Toasty. And uh, Toasty had to leave at the beginning and then go get a drink, and then his chair was going to be my new co-host. And now he's back, so I'm slightly disappointed about that. But I'm excited you're back, Toasty. All right, sure. Cool, man. How's it going? Sure. sure. Uh, you know, it's 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 a day. It's a day. You know, it's I life. had a Monday off, which is weird. Oh, I did my taxes cool. today. That's, that's that's about it. Also weird. Yeah. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our um, journey through the kingdoms with yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, with Redania. This is a big one. We've been talking about the little ones more recently, but this one's, this is a biggie. This is, if you haven't heard of Redania, then you just haven't been paying attention because... Do you even Witcher? <laughs> do, do you even Witcher? Yeah. Like, Redania comes up a lot uh, in the show, in the books, in the games, everywhere. So, uh, mm. let, let, I know we've got a lot to get into, Toasty. Where do we want to start with this? Uh, so, brief rundown of, uh, it's kind of the setup here, like we usually go through. So... It's uh, its status as a kingdom uh, run by a hereditary monarchy, which of course is the Redanian monarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, their heads of state, the queen, king or queen regent, um, the regency council, the chancellor, uh, commander in chief, field hetman of the crown. So, so those are the different titles, like descending. But then you have the, mm-hmm. you have the council directly underneath the king or queen. So it's mm-hmm. almost like a uh, like a parliament sort yeah, of like a parliamentary monarchy. Yeah, it's kind of got a little bit of like okay, at least the lords and the 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 people who have some money have some say in things, but they still don't actually yeah. have authority. The king or queen does. Yeah, well, you will get into that with the societal makeup of it when we get to that portion. Yeah. Because uh, this is a little bit different compared to other places, um, as you might imagine. Um, they, of course, have the Royal Redanian Army for their military branch and the Redanian Secret Service. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, that's probably the one that, Secret Service that people are most familiar with as far as uh, The Witcher goes. Um, Capitol is Tredegor. Um, although probably more commonly, some more commonly known cities, Novigrad, of course, the free city, mm-hmm. um, and Oxenfurt, the, uh, almost said the nerd city, the nerd Kinda city. Is. It's got like the, the massive, like the Oxenfurt university. Um, oh, okay. You know, so, Cause it's, yeah, they it's, got like, yeah, they got like the big, you know, the big, like academic structures in, in Oxenfurt, mm-hmm. um, Official current or official language is the common speech, official currency, the Novigradian crown, of course, and uh, copper. Uh, and they uh, worship the Nordling pantheon um, with special attention to uh, the Eternal Fire, Creve, and Esculapius. Esculapius, maybe? Es- Esculapius, es- something like that. Esculapius. It's a word. That is a weird word. A word. Yeah. That yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and uh, they are bordered on uh, sides of uh, Kovir, Cairngorm, Kaidwin, Adern, and Tamaria. Right. And so. a lot of that's just because they're very big. Mm-hmm. They've got. Yeah, they touch a lot. Yeah, they've got a like 
like a, I'm not going to make a joke about touching a lot. All right. So uh, let's talk about their society. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, the uh, very specifically for um, societal structure of Redania um, is that uh, they have a very strong like idea of nobility. Um, okay. So how does that uh, how does that work? Yeah. So higher uh, social, um, the higher social stratum possess a more privilege here than any nearby realm. Um, starting to sound a little familiar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, great differences in wealth exist among the gentry, but Redanian law cares not for cares for birth, not property, making a well-born beggar the legal equal of the richest magnate. It's basically, if you're highborn, you you automatically get it better off than anyone else right it's your bloodline not your ownership of property and and mm. land and things like that yeah, yeah. so mm. even if yeah, you're a highborn one percent but yeah it, even if you're a highborn who doesn't inherit land or whatever you're still in the aristocracy you still mm -hmm. you still warrant a certain amount of respect and and can lay claim to things later on if for example land changes titles or or you amass an army and want to take over some land yourself because you have a claim to it yeah yeah uh those of high birth and great wealth draw uh wealth from primarily from the grain trade and pedigreed horse husbandry hmm. horses like grain so those two go together Mm -hmm. um, as a consequence of the nobility's privileged position, the peasantry is treated worse here than any neighboring state, and only the king's iron fist keeps them from rebelling. Uh, the government of Redania is also heavily influenced by sorceresses. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be a peasant in Redania. No. If you're going to be really a peasant don't. anywhere, it's going to suck, but more in Redania than anywhere else. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think there's a bit of leeway when it comes to um, Novigrad because it's, you know, it's, it's a the free, free city. city. It's right. kind, it's of, kind like, of like the Hong Kong, uh, like to China in yeah. that it has its own rights and its own like it's, it's almost like the I don't know the history of it because I didn't look it up specifically. But it the, the feeling I get is that the merchants of Novigrad were strong enough in order to mandate their own rules for the city and mm -hmm. the uh the nobility just had to go with it because it's like it's it's like it, it's at that post-renaissance phase of european history where the merchants started to have so much power because of the wealth they were amassing it didn't matter if they were lowborn they they had the money to make things happen and influence things and that's the sense that i get for redania is is that that very like similar post-renaissance kind of phase of mm -hmm. history the middle class well, is starting to emerge yeah as we i mean as we know all the big banks are in uh novigrad so like it is run like the financials are run there so you kind of have to be careful with that lest it become somebody make off with it you know so yeah yeah so you mentioned they've got some they're a little bit more religious i mean not everywhere noted specific gods or or a, a pantheon that they worship but uh the redanians seem to seem to keep to at least this uh i don't know the eternal fire like what's what's the deal with that yeah so um as we know and just like it does be it's kind of a prevalent theme as far as uh 
with how like the books were set up um and then you know we see it a lot in like the witcher 3 because of course we spent a good fair amount of time in redania um and like novigrad and stuff but we do see that the eternal fire is kind of like the head religion of of this place worshiping the eternal fire and you know basically processing faith through the ideas of what flame can do you know purifying things through fire mm-hmm. um that gets into obviously a very like big dynamic later on with you know with the witcher 3 and how redanism how the king is uh with prosecuting those have uh, that have magic and right. purifying them through flame. Like the very Salem witch trials, you know. Yeah, burning kind of them, idea. purifying them yeah. through flame, which is yeah. just an excuse to kill them and burn them at the stake. Yeah, yeah. So Isn't the Eternal Fire the- also a U two album? I think they might also wa- worship Bono in Redania because of this elegant. U two was just like slightly before my time. So. No, I mean, they, they they were big in the eighties and nineties. So yeah. But I think they have an album called The Eternal Fire. Anyway, okay. um, okay. But yeah, we see this in the games, especially the time period that we are at the games where they're burning mages. Like, you don't want to be a mage in Novigrad. Yeah, and you have a very, like, um, like the whole, like, it's, I mean, it's the church of the eternal fire, right? But mm-hmm. it's more like the cult of the eternal fire with, like, the how they have the attitudes towards it. Like, those that believe in it are very, like, they believe in it really heavily um and i mean even to the books we get uh the story of a doo-doo with uh the the leader of the church of the eternal fire or the leader because he ends up being uh not he ends up being a doppler himself (laughs) right um you know so wait wait so you're saying that in this fantasy world there are fake leaders of religious groups that are doing it for their own benefit yes huh that has nothing that's nothing like reality um oh yeah totally i'm not i'm gonna somebody's gonna write me an email i'm not saying all religious groups are corrupt i'm saying that throughout history many times throughout history people have lied and cheated and stolen their way into leadership of powerful groups including the church so this, i mean this yes. is where we get the one uh the one comment it's like why why you got to go and make our games like political and religious right and why like, you gonna make it political and it's like because they're drawing on real world pol- politics <laughs> I was like, like this is the witcher bro like, <laughs> can you this, tell it's political right That's the same the, the same way that the monsters draw from real world stuff and we talk about that in every bestiary episode the storylines the characters the kingdoms like the religion all of it pulls from real world influence all of it and it makes it more interesting to see the the parallels yeah. yeah so and uh of course the the that branches out into like many different traditions as far as you know like we do see them they light the fires across the city and have to keep them lit at all times it is the eternal fire it needs to keep going at all times of course that's the whole point mm-hmm. um and then leading to other things like um burning different the idols and and symbols of things like example on uh Savoyn, uh, Radanian children burn figurines of Falca on bonfires um, and kind of as a reminder of Falca's rebellion. Right. Um, it's like a religious holiday kind of mm-hmm. event. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Okay. So outside the church, we also have the military. What do we know about mm-hmm. the military? Uh, so one of the big things for 
The military is their cavalry uh, because Redanian steeds are unsurpassed. Uh, so they have such a high level of like horse breeding that they have one of they have the best cavalry in the entire continent. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they're like the Tennessee of the continent. Yeah. Or Kentucky? Is it Kentucky that has the I feel like it's Kentucky. Kentucky. Right? It's more Kentucky. Kentucky. The Kentucky Derby. Yeah, okay. More Kentucky. They're like the Kentucky yeah. of we're just gonna call call Redania Kentucky from now on. Yeah. Um and the country's nobility fills out most of its ranks. Um so of course, like we said before, the nobility takes up a lot of things. Um so they they run most of the military and fill out most of the military forces, specifically the cavalry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly speaking, the cavalry is kind of the best place to be if you think as far as military goes absolutely. this time. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be on horseback. You want to be on part of the cavalry, uh, the people who can rush in when they need to and get out as quickly. And um, this is one of those crazy things about military combat during these kinds of time periods is that uh, when, when everyone's swinging weapons at each other, a little bit of a height difference makes a huge difference in your ability to fight other people. So that's why taller individuals, that's why armies would put themselves. We talked about this before, like on the, the hill of Sodden being on mm-hmm. the hill and having to m- march up a hill is more difficult. It wears people out, but they also the have a better ground. angle. Yes. They have the yeah. high ground. They could shoot their bows further. But uh, being on horseback is a very similar kind of thing because you are now your arms are swinging at head level of everybody you pass. So mm-hmm. and, and they, you're faster they have, than they them. have to have specific weapons in order to because you can't just reach with like a standard like sword uh, at, at the person on it unless you're hitting like and they they heavily like generally cavalry riders heavily plate their legs and stuff so that like because right. the easy thing to hit is the legs and yeah or the front know. of the horse and then they put horse armor on the front yeah and they pay and, like, they horses, pay a lot I mean, for that are DLC still thick, so yeah so it's yeah. like yeah you have to be very like you have to have very specialized weaponry and I mean we see it in a lot of examples as far as like fights like that I mean the ride of the Rohirrim. In Lord of the Rings, right, like right. A, a small force of cavalry can make a huge impact on a massive army right. uh, because of that specific aspect of the advantage there is to riding horseback. Um, and with the best horses, of course, they're going to have a really, a really awesome one. Uh, so uh, as back to the notes back to the notes um so wait so that's the military side the military is known for their cavalry and uh that type of warfare what about like the intelligence is there so uh redania also possesses the best intelligence network in the world um so like they're like the cia of the continent yes i mean Put a lot of faith in the no, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. No. Um, so a lot of a lot of their uh intelligence members have like infiltrated various kingdoms, and so they constantly have a bit of a a source back to like information to know about uh you know their enemies, and of course Redania. Uh, what we learned from like Kaidwin and Tamarian stuff, Redania is always fighting uh people. Like they're always at war with Kaidwin. Which, you know, Kaidwin's always at war with everyone, too. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, they have a big rival in Tamaria. They have always wanted mm-hmm. to take over Tamaria. This so. is part of why it's so funny in the show when you see, like, all the leaders, all the kings and queens, all, like, sitting together and having conversations because they're all constantly at each other's throats. And, and then so sometimes they the cooperate. Kind of, and then... Yeah, it's kind of the idea of, like, yeah. times of, like, when there's a unified enemy, right. like, it's easy to 
like team up and work together against the unified enemy because they pose a threat to all of you. Mm -hmm. But then once the enemy's not like in your face anymore, you turn to look at who else is like your neighbors. Right. Right. And the history of claims you have on their land because of the mixing of different families and all that crap. Yeah. 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 And, you know, as with the intelligence agency, of course, we know like Dijkstra, the the most well-known spy mm-hmm. in the witcher like universe let's keep and going with analogies he's like the guy, 007 so. of the witcher verse like james bond like he, mm. he's like a spy he's like pulling strings he's he's but he's okay so he's less like james james bond and he's more like Mm, I'm trying to think of a good much the the dirty work. I'm trying to think who uh, for some reason the thing comes to mind is probably going to make like people angry. But um, like you you said, pulling the strings, too, which also made it very specific. Um, The guy from uh, Wanted uh, Morgan Freeman's character. Oh, I I don't know. Wanted the one where they curve bullets. He's kind of the head of that whole thing. (laughs) Okay, he like runs the network as opposed to like going out himself because we don't see him really go. He sends out, you know, the agent he kind of runs things he's right. the intelligence gatherer but right he but he's like also do. yeah he's also he's kind of like a mob boss in a way in his i don't know he's got that like yeah. imposing he's a big imposing guy he's got like this no tolerance for anything like that kind of thing going mm-hmm. like if um if in game of thrones if varus was a total like mob boss personality Right. He's got his fingers everywhere. He knows everything that's going on. He's he's, you know, the got the ear of the king, but he's also a total douche at the same time. So like Littlefinger? So kind of like Littlefinger, except more imposing. Littlefinger's kind of scrawny and like Yeah. Slimy. It's more yeah. I don't know. I don't know that we have a great analogy. It's like a combination of those things. So all right. So let's Somebody talk about come up with something to be like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Perfect. The job of the hut, Rob, the princess in chat says. He's like a job of the hut. Kinda, yeah, kinda. But he's not the absolute ruler. He's the one who like bends the ear of the king and gets the king manipulates the king to do yeah. the things that he really wants the king to do, because the king's kind of an idiot. Um all right, let's talk about the economy. How's the economy uh, work? So the kingdom derives enormous profits from trade with Novigrad as well as grain exports. Uh, Maybe said that the monarchy is the granary of the whole continent uh, and even other parts of the world. Therefore, the dominant landscape of Redania's huge undulating fields of grain. Uh, In the 13th century, the state economy became seriously threatened because of the flow of cheap goods from others into the country. So we we've talked about that before with other places, you know, of course, that whole like west side of the continent kind of right. Dealt with so it is kind of like the west. American Midwest in that <laughs> like we're still going analogies here. Lots of grain fields, yeah. horses. I I can see it. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. Uh uh and those cheap goods, of course, constituted uh, serious competition for local artisans, um, and they do not have a very heavy, like, manufacturing, uh, like, economy for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, my dog's barking at the neighbor. Um, okay. Anything else about... Like, like grains and horses. Grains grains and horses, and they, they have a, a good trade port through Novigrad, which is part of the reason why those merchants are so wealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it just... 
with them being there, it obviously makes sense. And, um, they kind of, I know as we, so I'm trying to think the one places, the other places that were like super, um, like super rich as far as like resources go. Cause mm-hmm. I think most of it had to do because they had farmland. Yeah. Cause like Tamaria, most of their stuff came from manufacturing. Right. Um, I think there's good like farmland in like Adern, like Cadwin, Cadwin, Adern area where they were, you know, arguing about that stuff and trying to yeah. take the land back and forth. Which is on the other side of a mountain. So of course, yeah. like those, that becomes a very hard process to try and like, if you wanted to source, like those other smaller countries wanted to source from Adern because they didn't like Redania. It's like, well, you don't have a choice because yeah. you literally have to cross the mountains of Mahakam. It becomes way more like, expensive to import all of that because of uh-huh. the, the the distance it has to go and and the difficulty. So, and we that. know Redania is also like one of the biggest. I mean, like they're only smaller compared to like I don't know, like Kaidwin, and Kaidwin does not have a lot of good land because it's super cold and barren. So right, mm. right. Okay, so that's the economy. Uh, what about what about like their national emblems? We always talk about the uh, the banners and the the visual mm-hmm. aspect of it. Uh, so uh, this is you know that typical heraldic talk um, because this is a passage directly uh, from coats of arms of the respectable royal and knightly houses, their blazon in history. Um, <laughs> so it's going to sound you know real heraldic um so maybe a little yeah yeah okay so the colors of the kingdom of redania are white and red and the coat of arms from time immemorial has been the silver eagle on a red field of course i'm now that i'm starting to learn all this stuff red field means red background that's like the main set in the back uh of this eagle the ancient emblem of king abrad the old oak various emotions and forms were notwithstanding presently the insignia is like king radovid fourth had determined and approved in edict colon (laughs) colon yeah there's a lot of stuff going on here right ghouls an eagle displayed argent crowned beaked and membered or grasping in the dexter claw and scepter or period (laughs) wow (laughs) the eagle is charged on the breast with an escutcheon what is that escutcheon escutcheon is that a weapon it's it's like an escutcheon i think it might be here i'm I'm gonna google it Uh, i think it might be a weapon uh a shield or emblem bearing a coat of arms yeah uh so, it's so got there's a coat shield. of arms on their coat of arms right it's like a shield with the coat of arms on the coat of coat of arms yeah yeah uh sable a cross or period escutcheon is arms of yarmulak country located in the interfluve of rivers puyna and bra <laughs> ultimately vassalized by crown of redania during reign of radovid the bald is was this translated through like a google translate from polish and that's why it reads it's a little quite funny. possible it is quite because possible or we don't this is kind of how they talk this is a weird you know yeah we don't see a lot of that that like you, you see a lot of this like antiquated language in tolkien's works for example because mm-hmm. because he was a philologist he studied language he wanted everything to feel authentic you don't feel you don't see as much of that in the writings of the witcher in this mm-hmm. like if something's old it, it just it just says this is old it has a big tradition long tradition whatever but 
it's rarely do you get like the the flavor text in the way that people would have spoke it you know mm-hmm. so i have yeah. to wonder and if maybe this is a translation this thing. crazy i was just like all right but essentially <laughs> um the idea is that it's it's the silver eagle on the red background um and i think argent if i remember correctly was that it was kind of like like spread out like like a very it's it's basically making like a grand display of itself um it has a crown of course mm-hmm. as the beak it has it's uh like it actually has um like its legs in the design where so oh, argent, don't argent just means silver or silvery white oh right okay that's what i mean gotcha yeah. so yeah silver eagle um and then it sometimes has a scepter it sometimes have a, has a shield with a coat of arms on it sometimes has like a cross with it mm-hmm. like there's a lot of different i mean it's one of the most often changed ones as far as uh the coat of arms go generally for witcher like yeah. kingdoms yeah it's so, not it's not consistent it probably it's probably like a different time periods different rulers updated it and all of mm-hmm. that so yeah so that like I said, it's incorporated and taken off many. Sometimes they have a uh, different number of heads, different accessories, different, like the crown there or not, uh, the shield with coat of arms there or not, other things added. It's just constantly changing. Which Me too. I don't know, I, Me too. Aren't we all? That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's fact. That, that's true. That is, that is <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> all right cool well tell you what we're going to take a quick break and thank our patrons and we will be back to talk more about the history of redania so don't go anywhere very well let us get this over with something has infested my vineyard mm-hmm. great let me go prepare my something oil then so this is the part of the show where we get to thank our patrons for being super awesome. We don't have any new ones to shout out this week, but we do have our higher vampires, Ben of Tamaria and Jared M supporting the show. So thank you for being our tier five higher vampires. And thank you to all 12 of our other patrons for supporting. If you would be interested in checking out the new shirts slash sticker designs, they are up on the Patreon site, patreon.com slash Witcher Lorecast. You can check out the different stuff you can get. If you sign up now, every three months, you'll be getting a new shirt or sticker depending on if you're tier three or tier four or higher and uh of course there's all their stuff as well ad free episodes all sorts of other things so go check that out and we are in the middle of of march already toasty how does the time go by so fast we're two weeks away from our next patron episode so if you'd like to join us for that as well sign up as a tier four and we'll be doing that on monday the 27th so that's coming up pretty soon too also if you'd like to leave us a review on apple Podcasts, a five-star review with a bunch of words we'll read it out on a future episode of the show plus you can just drop us uh ratings on spotify or whatever other platform you're listening to us on all of that is extremely helpful so thank you to everybody for your support let's move on with the rest of the show you smell of death and destiny heroics and heartbreak it's onion right yeah So let's go back in time, Toasty. Let's go back to the ancient world. The early yes. the early era of uh, men, of humans. I guess we should just say humans on the continent. Yeah, yeah, very early. Uh, so uh, back in the ancient times, uh, Redania was first settled by the Dauk and Wosker people before the first landing. 
specifically the Chilibol region and the Nimnar Valley, according to a classification by the historian Arnelius Grock. So this is like the one little bit of information we have about this like ancient times. And it's just like these name drops without any other explanation for them. We got a little bit of information about them. Surprisingly, yeah, we do have a little bit. A little bit of a stuff. tiny bit like this is, this is like yeah. a little baby section of like here's some a little yeah. bit of history. OK, so yeah. we know something about the dock, D-A-U-K. Yes. U-K. So dock um, and this kind of is, again, relating to the real world with more like how we perceive ancient civilizations and stuff, because that's what this was comparatively to the current time of the Witcher. Um so they did have their own language and writing system uh with the writings surviving on minhirs uh which are tall spire-like stones okay, with so, like writing right yeah you know. so they they still have an example of the writing due to things being carved mm-hmm. in stone kind of like hieroglyphics or sumerian writing mm-hmm. things like that in our own world yeah um and these are still being studied and deciphered um a notable person who did that uh, is Eltabald, um, who was delving into the Curse of the Black Sun uh, oh. from these writings. So we see the Curse of the Black Sun is originating from these ancient civilizations. Way back when. Okay. Yep. Okay. And that was uh, the that was the curse about the princesses. Mm-hmm. The yeah. princesses born under the eclipse. Right. Um, they right. were, you know, horrible monsters or whatever. Right. So. Um, Similar to how other human groups lived before the Nordlings introduced feudalism to the north, the Dalk were nomadic as they discovered agriculture, evidenced by their worship of a goddess of harvest and fertility and a guardian of farmers and gardeners, um, which is specifically is not Melitola for the goddess of harvest and fertility. It's one like Melitola, it has the same domains as her but it is mm-hmm. not specifically is not her right but maybe the ancient inspirations that led to melitola as goddess right um, you see this in our own world if you go back to the middle east and ancient times mm-hmm. every culture had their own version of a mm-hmm. of a weather god or a uh, harvest god or a whatever and sometimes there were overlaps in certain things and of course that all evolved as time moved on so yeah, yeah. V- very similar so, to that and so but yeah as they discovered agriculture that's when they began to settle down uh build these these men here's that they documented their history on um apart from the goddess similar to melithala they prayed to two deities regarded as precursors to Coram agterra and veopatis by scholars and then menacing a lilith also had her place in their myths too we should um uh, we don't have the time in this episode but we should go into all of these strangely named gods mm-hmm. in future episodes and, sure. and dig into like who they are and and yeah. why people worship Which, them lilith uh, i will just say specifically for lilith in this uh the context of her being so important is that they believe that those like born to the curse of the black sun were descendants of Lilith herself. And that's why they were these awful monsters because Mm -hmm. she was like kind of this dark goddess in a way. It's kind of Um, similar to having like the, you know, the bloodline, the elder bloodline, like you came mm -hmm. from a source that power is now carried through your, your lineage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course we know something happened because I mean, 
Renfrey was immune to magic. So yeah, Ren Renfrey was legit. There. <laughs> there was something going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so alongside the Wilsker, the Doc are counted among the most ancient humans on the continent. Arrive, arriving immediately after the conjunction of the spheres, they settled between the Dragon Mountains and the Gulf of Prax Praxida in nowadays Narok, Talgar, Hingsforce League, Jellabal, Nimnor Valley, and went up to Velhad, which lies in the cold far north. So they, they spread out pretty far in the continent. That's, yes. That's what I gather from that. Mm -hmm. like, there, it's a lot of weird names, but it's like the northern section kind of broadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, their contact with elves and dwarves must have been limited as most non-humans associate the dawn of the human age with the first landing. So they don't, they not a whole lot of records there to say, you know, like we had humans beforehand, except for these. So, um, what led to their extinction is unknown and greatly disputed by historians. One theory holds that they were gradually assimilated by the Nordlings that when they sense. showed up. Yeah, that's kind of the way Same. things mostly go, is that eventually everybody just kind of intermarries or whatever. And then one culture becomes the dominant one. So mm -hmm. we also know a little bit about the Wazgar as well, who are a different people. Yeah. Uh, so uh, though much of them is unknown uh, as well um it is said that the wasgar resembled the nordlings in appearance um though were easily distinguished by beards uh clothing made of skin and a more dirty appearance uh like the other uh like like the dog they were also nomadic i wonder so. if okay so maybe the other group didn't have beards or they were just known to fashion beards. Like they were more likely to wear beards as a fashion. It could be one or the other. Also skin clothing. Like were they wearing leather made from animals hide or were they skinning their enemies and making clothing out of their enemies? Up to the interpretation. I mean, yeah. I figured the point of saying skin clothing probably makes it very specifically that it's made out of skin. Yeah, uh, it's not just leather from like animals. Mm. Yeah. Although they did have a bit more of contact with certain things, which I'll get to in a second. Um, they, of course, also had their own language and runes that survive. Um, instead of like the Minhirs, they have them as like tombstones in uh, specifically their necropolises, um, which are studied which also contain information pertaining to the curse of the black sun. So both of these groups can attest to that being seemingly a, a real thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the Wozgar prayed to deities similar to Korm Actera, Veopatis, and Melitola. Uh, however, the primary figure in the Wozgar beliefs was the goddess of war, Lilith. Okay, so Lilith comes back up. Yeah. According to the tales, they used to offer her blood sacrifices. The Wozgar believed themselves to be her chosen followers who would survive her return and the massacre of the unfaithful. Mm, it's one of those. Yeah. It's one, <laughs> one of those. Yeah. Once, once uh, everybody else dies, this will be put right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, kind of rough, a bit of a, I think, a darker aspect compared to the Dalk, who were just, you know, living their lives farming. These guys were sacrificing their enemies, using their blood in the rituals and wearing their skin as clothing. So, yeah, yeah. One of these two groups seems like much more friendly than the other. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, like, like I said before, you know, ancient, most ancient people. Um, 
They had settlements in the same areas, although they did spread a bit further south and colonized Magterga and Geso. Uh, so a lot so, of overlap, just kind of. Yeah, they're a little bit more southern. The other one was a little bit more northern. Yeah, they, they did. Well, they spread out as far north as the others, but they did actually go further south, mm-hmm. um, which probably is why they had a bit more involvement with um these next people, um, they didn't engage the non-humans very often, but some scholars speculate that there were wars between the Woskar and the Werebubs. Oh, the Werebubs. Maybe they're uh, wearing Werebub skin. Yeah, that's, uh, that's oh. my thought. Um, because Werebubs consider or regard Lilith as the devil, essentially. So the god um, of an, an enemy army that makes you skin your enemies and drink their blood or whatever is going to be like a devil. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When Nordland kings began forging their realms, most of the Wozgar were killed. A fraction escaped to the east, bringing the cult of Lilith along and merging with the locals. The rest was likely assimilated, though some historians dispute it. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that there's like these vagaries around like, well, we're not really sure. It's most likely this, but we're not really sure because that's just kind of how it works. You don't ever get 100% of the evidence to know exactly what happened. Yeah, but okay. they're over here. I mean, look at them over here. They were like the dog. We're just gonna bring them in. The the Wozgar. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We should probably kill them. We'll probably get <laughs> yeah. rid of all of them. Yeah, they don't seem very little, friendly. Yeah, a little. Yeah, they're a little rough here. Um, but that's that's it for the ancient history of uh, Redania. Um, moving into more current things that we know about. Um, in 1263, uh, they assisted in the Battle of Sodden. Um, Mm-hmm. They, of course, King Vismir II, bringing in his army to assist with Foltis's army and the mages to turn back the Nilfgaardians. Right. This is the whole, everybody's working together because the Nilfgaardians are worse than any either of us. So mm-hmm. let's all yep. work together. Which is funny because now that I think about it, the Nilfgaardians coming under the symbol of the Black Sun. Yeah. Yeah. It's got historical ramifications. Yeah. That is interesting. <laughs> interesting. I just yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, they had similar problems as far as the the flooding of the cheap Nilfgaardian goods, like a lot of the other places. Mm-hmm. Um, they did impose, unlike Foltis, who you know was like, "I can't piss off the merchants." Um, Redania did close down, uh, like to block all of this merchandise from entering Redania. Um, so that then, you know, of course, had a bit of a cascade of an effect. Uh, because they don't manufacture their own goods. Like you said before, they are, mm-hmm. you know, grain Agra- and agrarian. Yeah, yeah. Agrarian and, and trading. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when it came to like, they needed stuff like this, but they like, it was hard to get because they had to block off um, this merchandise that was making its way in, uh, in order to sustain the economy. And as we know, their economy is very important to them because it's one of the best ones yep. in the Northern kingdoms. Um, King Vitzimir II of Redania was assassinated during the Second Nilfgaardian War. During the Interregnum, the country was ruled by a regency council headed by Sigismund Dijkstra, the head of Redanian intelligence, and Philippa Eilhart, head of the Lodge of Sorceresses, subsequently yeah. reaching the proper... Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny, the whole like anti-mage thing, and yet Philippa and like other sorceresses have had such an influence, and yet the religion is anti-mage it's just it's another one of those wonderful ironies yeah 
subsequently reaching the proper age, the country passed in the hands of Radovid V, known as the Stern. So is this assassination the same as the event that we see in The Witcher 2? Witcher 2, yeah. When um, So that isn't in the books. This section is only from the games. But assuming that the, that where the books lead, leave off, the games take it, continue it on if this yeah. is actually still I think so I think this canon. is like a thing in like the um because we see it in the games but I think it was like kind of something that's mentioned uh, a bit in like the books because we know that the timeline in the books is a little wonky yeah. as far as that goes so um but like it, they, it does get like fleshed out you know in like the Witcher 2 right with, um, right can't remember his damn name the, the bald uh Witcher guy Luth? uh what is his name bald Witcher guy I'm gonna search it. Bald Witcher guy. Goulet. Witcher. Think of Goulet. L of Goulet. Letho. It was Letho. Letho Goulet. Yeah. I was saying Lutho. I was. Yeah, you're close. Letho of Goulet. Yeah, you, you, so. you started at the L sound. I was like, oh, it's close, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, Letho. Mm-hmm. Letho. The big like that dude is huge. If you haven't seen The Witcher two, watch a playthrough. Go look up some videos, or, or at least the cinematics. The cinematics are still great. And Mm -hmm. you see this really big Witcher dude, a big bald Witcher dude. That's Letho. And uh, you at the end of the Witcher 2 get to confront him and you can choose to kill him or not. And uh, if you're one of those people that probably hasn't played it, um, but has played through the Witcher 3, you probably run into him as well. Because I think by default, he's still alive. um, Oh, is he? Yeah, because you've come across him. And um, that's right. It's like that haunted like i'm trying to remember can there's like that haunted house out in um like out in the place like it's haunted by wraiths that one lady wants to get like a one of her heirlooms back or something but you can go and clear out the wraiths and he's yeah. like hiding out in the barn is um, it is the witcher 3 able to pull in keep events from the witcher 2 i th- i think, think so. i feel so like, you like you it did file yeah there. i feel like i did because i i killed letho and then mm. i didn't see him in the witcher 3 yeah, well, because I I know when I first I started with The Witcher three like a lot of people, so mm-hmm. I like I remember that he was alive. And I was on Xbox three or Xbox one, so <laughs> the, like, na- the Xbox I, naming system is terrible. But yes, yeah, <laughs> it makes well, it so it was, hard to it remember. Was on Xbox one, so of course, like you like couldn't play it on you couldn't play Witcher two on it, so that I didn't have like any save files, so it just gave me like that like the default setup. Right. So right. I remember like, you know, that he's there and you can like, can't you, you can like bring him in, right? Like you can like uh, bring him or allow him to go to Care Morin or something, I think. In The Witcher uh, 3? I think so. Can he, can he help you with the whole, when you assemble everybody together? See, this I missed all of this stuff because I'm pretty sure I, I, I mean, I played everything on PC and I'm pretty sure it just carried over any of the events because I like, or somehow I just totally missed running into him one or the other um yeah but yeah i was pretty sure like he comes up in dialogue people talk about him in the witcher 3 like he comes up in conversation a few times but i remember feeling like oh yeah that guy well he's gone <laughs> he's dead yeah so yeah you can you can invite him to care more and um let's not says so, yes you can okay yeah, yeah. So. Hmm. but yeah that's cool interesting stuff all right so uh, I guess that's it. That's it for Redania. That's kind of the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no other thoughts for me on that. Man, I've got this weird tickle in my throat. Uh, where do you think we're going to go next week? Um, well, um, 
for those who are familiar enough, you know, there's a lot of people in Redania that need to be talked about. So, um, you know, it was kind of how we like did it, you know, talk about like the important people, but some places didn't have as many um, really important figureheads. But Redania's, I mean, got King Vitzmer II, who's a big deal. Yeah. Dijkstra, Philip, like there's a lot of people here that need to be talked about. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll be digging in, into that stuff in the future. Words are hard. I've got a weird tickly throat. Uh, you got anything else going on you want to share before we head out, Toasty? Um, I'm still doing the, the Cyberpunk lore cast over there. Um, if you're in, if you like Cyberpunk, you're interested in that universe at all. We're kind of doing the same thing, taking a tour of of the world and checking out the the different countries in Cyberpunk because. Most of the time, you just hear about the U.S. and Night City, and yeah. uh, we wanted to spotlight everything else before you got real deep into that stuff. Yeah, there's a um, bunch of extra lore out there beyond just Night City. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Of course, you know the new book coming out. There's going to be a bit of a uh, a spike in stuff. Um, we also just got new art over there. For I saw recover art. I saw. Uh, yeah, it's got some me in it, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is cool. You guys are like uh, uh, little kind of cartoon pe- like cyber people. Mm-hmm. And they even got my like dark hair on top and the white hair. I, <laughs> I, that, was I cool. that too. Uh, yes. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, and then also still doing the the cyberpunk, uh, which is a cyberpunk red actual play podcast. Uh, cyberpunk apostrophe D. I uh, do with the fumbling for an almighty grit group over there. So. Nice, nice. Go check that stuff out. There's links at robotsradio.net if you're just looking for ways to check that stuff out or any of the other shows that I do. Lots of awesome stuff to check out at Robots Radio. And we will be back next week. We'll be talking more about Redanian individuals. Maybe we'll talk about Dijkstra because he's a he's quite quite the character. Mm-hmm. Quite so, the guy. Quite yep. the guy. So stay tuned for that stuff. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in everybody chat. Thanks for being here. See you guys later. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.